First, we turn to Labor Day 2022 and how it was celebrated yesterday by a rising new generation of bold young unionists. They marched through mid-Manhattan while stopping to rally outside the multi-million dollar homes of Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz and Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos. The march ended with a final rally in Times Square. Amber, you were there. Yeah, right. As you said yesterday, Labor Day, um, workers who had the day off joined together. Um, the Amazon Labor Union, do- Union joined by Starbucks Workers United, which are both insurgent um, independent labor campaigns, were joined by many other insurgent groups uh, who rallied to demand billion-dollar companies like Amazon and Starbucks recognize their unions. Uh, Starbucks, Starbucks Workers United have won 200 union elections around the country in the past uh, year or so. So that's been huge. And Amazon has uh, organized and, and won an election at Staten Island. And we also have elections upcoming in other places. Um, but n- now we're going to hear from Derek Palmer, who is the vice president of the Amazon Labor Union and uh, was speaking yesterday at the protest. So we'll go to that clip now. about that. That was Derek Palmer, vice president of the Amazon Labor Union, speaking yesterday in front of Jeff Bezos's penthouse at 212 Fifth Ave to a crowd of four to 500 supporters. And at the end, 
they're all yelling, chanting that they're going to strike in case I spoke over that. Um, <laughs> now we are joined by Seth Goldstein and Michael Verastro of the Amazon Labor Union, and we're going to speak with them in a minute here for the latest developments with the Amazon Labor Union. But first, on April 1st of this year, the Amazon Labor Union pulled off what many said was impossible, and they won a union election at JFK, an Amazon warehouse in Staten Island that employs six to 10,000 workers. A union campaign had been launched there two years prior by workers Gerald Bryson, Jordan Flowers, Derek Palmer, and Christian Smalls, who were all at the protest yesterday. The election results, the win by the union, was objected by Amazon, and after months of hearings and deliberation, the National Labor Relations Board announced on Thursday that the company's objections had no merit. The worker-led Amazon Labor Union is demanding the company come to the bargaining table and negotiate a first contract. Amazon workers in Campbellsville, Kentucky, Garner, North Carolina, and Albany, New York, have also launched union campaigns. Um, and you'll notice there's a lot fewer than the 200 for Starbucks. It's because Amazon warehouses often have a thousand or more employees. Um, and the workers have been organizing since this spring at ALB1, which is in Albany, and a union election. They got enough union cards signed. An election will be held there on October 13th, 14th, and 15th. So joining us now to talk about all of this is Seth Goldstein, a pro bono lawyer for the Amazon Labor Union. We're also joined by Michael Verastro, a former employee up in Albany, who will turn to so soon. But Seth, welcome, and, and tell us a little bit about Thursday's news that the NLRB rejected Amazon's objections to the result and sort of the process of that and what it means for the union now. Yeah, we're very glad that the employer, um, uh, the employer's objections were rejected by the NL- NLRB, that the NLRB refused to go down Amazon's rabbit hole in which they wanted to... Um, throughout the election and disenfranchised thousands of workers. So um, that was a big victory. But this is all delay tactic by the employer uh, with the um, goal, I believe, to go to federal court and to try to get um, the right-wing court to um, both disenfranchise the employees and to perhaps overrule the National Labor Relations Act. So we need to put more pressure on the employer by organizing and worker actions and the solidarity that we saw yesterday of um, hundreds of union activists. Some of them were Amazon employees and um, progressives is heartening and the beginning of what I believe is not just a union, but a movement. Right. And Seth, can you, just talk a little bit more about the appeals process that went on with the NLRB uh, and how it ended up out in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, even though the case uh, started here in the New York City area. And what y'all had to go through uh, to uh, address Amazon's uh, fabricated uh, uh, allegations and, and what that was all about for you all to, to have to do that. So, um Amazon had a strategy when they lost the election to try to delay it and also to try to cause the union to spend um, a lot of money um, defending what was a significant victory of 11, you know, almost 11%. Um, 
So what they did was they decided to cop, well, to do what um, Starbucks is also doing, which is to attack the National Labor Relations Board and accuse the National Labor Relations Board of favoring um, Amazon Labor Union, which is not close to the case. Um, so as a result of that, in order to be fair, the NLRB removed the case to Region 29, which is in Arizona, because obviously Region 29 could not um, hold a hearing when they were being accused by Amazon of also interfering in the election. So we had to go through at least 24 days of hearing a 5,000 page transcript, which cost the union $30,000, six lawyers. Um, and you know, 144, um, decision. We wrote a 145 page brief, which costs tens of thousands of dollars and all four, you know, Amazon's temper tantrum about losing the election. Right. And just one, one quick thing about the, in all our, the National Labor Relations Act and Amazon's objections, which I, I feel like I hear echoed from Starbucks as well, is that that law is pro-labor organized. I mean, it, it essentially tries to guarantee that all workers have the yeah. right to choose whether they want a union or not and to create the uh, free and fair conditions for them to make that choice. But it was uh, passed in 1935 during the New Deal era, and the goal was to make it as seamless as possible for workers to be able to organize a union if that's what they want. Right. They they were never envisioning the, the NLRB of being an umpire and being neutral between um, organizing and non-organizing. The whole purpose of the National Labor Relations Act was to um, – encourage unionization across the United States. So Amazon's arguments are ridiculous, but Amazon is also an expert of delay tactics. And it's not so much uh, the issue regarding the merits of the case. Amazon wants delay. Amazon wants people to give up hope. And Amazon is looking for a right-wing um, court to basically knock out the National Labor Relations Act and reinstall what is called Lochner, which is uh, basically getting rid of the um, any regulatory agencies which help workers. Right. So the NLRA, which, you know, has been around for nearly 100 years, has uh, is a decently written law with absolutely no teeth. Um, which is why we see so much stalling in the election process over these past couple of years with the labor boom. And now they're trying to get rid of it. Now, how much traction does that have, Seth? Well, um, their hope is to get it to the Supreme Court. And their hope is to rely on Alito and Clarence Thomas and the other right-wing fanatics to try to um, – do what they did to Dobbs. I mean, focus on Dobbs and Chevron. Dobbs being the, um, uh, you know, the overruling of Roe v. Wade and, and Chevron basically attacking independent discretion of agencies. That's what they're relying on. And they, I mean, they have um, support from uh, some of the right-wing Republican senators. They've been writing letters about it. I've seen it in the Wall Street Journal and some of the other um, 
conservative publications that that's what their goal is. This is part of the attack on the administrative state. And this is what Amazon is hoping to gain from it because they did not like the results. Of course, when it came to the other election at LDJ5 where they won, they didn't have a problem with it. Right. Um, exactly. And uh, we'll be looking at LDJ5, which is another uh, warehouse on Staten Island uh, that, where, as Seth just said, they did not win the union election, but they are regrouping to, to refile. Um and uh, we're going to bring in Michael here now, uh, Michael Verostro, we have on the air with us, um, who, who's been um, supporting the Amazon Labor Union up in Albany. Uh, Michael, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Amber. How are you doing? I am doing all right. Happy to have you here with us. So, uh, Michael worked at Amazon for uh, almost two years, since December 2020, and was recently let Go, um, and the union has since spoken out against that. So, Michael, tell us uh, briefly about your story, um, and, and, and uh, uh, yeah, tell us your story. Well, I, I began there in October of 2020. Uh, two months later, I found out I had an aggressive form of prostate cancer. In 2021, I went through 44 rounds of radiation. I would go 7:30 in the morning, and then show up to work about 8:15 or 8:20 in the morning. I may have taken two or three days off in that time period. Uh, I think everybody there recognized my work ethic, noticed, no, knew that I was devoted to my job. And um, I would openly speak out to supervisors and managers about what I thought was um, an inadequate application or enforcement of the rules at Amazon. And uh, I wasn't afraid to open my mouth about it. Amazon has a policy of see something, say something. So when I saw something that I thought was wrong, I would speak openly about it. And I would challenge them. Um, a few weeks ago, it was almost two weeks ago now today, two weeks ago, I think Thursday or Friday, I had a few mechanical and technical issues at work, and I got very frustrated. I got moved to a new work location. Those technical issues continued. And out of just some frustration, I, I kicked an empty box on the floor in the workstation. Uh, a little while later, when I was up and running and finally working, my supervisor approached me, asked me to go for a walk, and I declined. I said, I'm up and running. I'm working now. I'm behind on my work right now, and I would just like to continue doing my work. And she said, why did you kick the box? And I told her that I was just... Um, you know, just very frustrated. At the time that I kicked the box, I didn't realize that there was a coworker working in the station behind me. So I did go over, after I was finally up and running and working, I did go over and apologize to her. I apologized sincerely. I said, I'm sorry about my, you know, kicking the box. I didn't mean, I didn't mean anything by it. It wasn't directed at you. And she seemed to not really care too much. Anyways, about two days later on Saturday, I had to leave work early for some health-related issues. And then I noticed that night that I had two calls from Amazon HR. And I missed, but there was no voicemail message. Then there was another call Sunday. Uh, that would be Sunday, August 28th. So I finally called them, and they told me that they were calling about an incident on site. And they told me that it was about me kicking the box. So I, I went through the whole story just like I went through with you just now. 
And they said they were conducting an investigation on this because they were considering this to be workplace violence. And they told me to stay home from work on Wednesday and that they would get in touch with me. They ended up taking off 10 hours of my UPT unpaid time off for Wednesday. I emailed them on Thursday. They emailed me back and said they had corrected the, the time off matter and they would be calling me later in the day with an update. Uh, last Thursday, about one o'clock in the afternoon, they called me and told me that I was fired for workplace violence. And I was, I was stunned. I was, I was, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, there's a lot of other things that are wrong there that never get corrected and never get disciplined and which people never end up in termination for. And they told me because it was workplace violence that I had no right to an appeal. Yeah. And, um, so here I am now, uh, and I've had tremendous support, and I can't, I can't say how thankful I am for it. Tremendous support from the union people, especially Heather and Kim and uh, Tia and a few others, and tremendous support. I can't thank Seth enough for what he's doing on my behalf. And I just thought it was a, a, a real injustice. Right. And so, um, Seth, tell us now about the, the legal issues with what Michael just described to you um, on behalf of the union and on behalf of Michael, obviously, claimed uh, filed claims with the NLRB. That's the National Labor Relations Board that we've been talking about on Friday about this firing. So tell us about that. Well, I'm actually representing Michael and with great pride because Michael played by the rules and, you know, did everything right. And because he spoke out and gave his opinion, which you're able to do under the National Labor Relations Act, they have unjustly, um, you know, terminated him. Um, I've never heard a case where someone gets fired for kicking an empty box. That certainly isn't violence. Um, and, Remember, Michael did not um, have any disciplinary action previously or any write-ups. He was a producer. And um, also, I want to point out that Michael um, is in, you know, uh, uh, his own life is in danger because of what Amazon did because he was getting cancer um, uh, prescript drug prescriptions against cancer, and now that's going to be cut off at the end of the month. And that's something we see time and again with Amazon uh, essentially firing workers who are sick, who one can suppose are not that's, getting them as many results. Well, Michael had results. Um, not to, pardon me, not to discount Michael's work at all. It sounds like you, you, I mean, you haven't missed any days while you were receiving radiation. That's incredible, Michael. But we have seen Amazon um, let go of people who have health issues, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right, Seth? Yeah, we have. And, um, you know, uh, I think this is a human rights violation, what has occurred in Michael's case, as long as other, other cases as well. Um, you know, it, it, it's just extraordinary to believe that the company is so cruel to do this. I happen to believe it's because, um, Michael raised some inconvenient truths with Amazon 
And that's why he's protected under the National Labor Relations Act. And we want to hear more about that, um, Michael. So you haven't been in the building for nearly a week now, but you were there uh, much before and while the union campaign had been launched. And you told me a little bit about how you were surprised by the way Amazon was responding to that. Could you talk a little bit more about the anti-union feelings and sentiment at work before you left? I was really turned off by how aggressive uh, Amazon was in their anti-union stance, they would have these eight and a half by 11 plexiglass displays on their tables in the break rooms with, you know, warnings like don't sign the union card. Here's what will happen if you sign the union card. They'll have your name, address, telephone number, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they also had signs or notices on the large television screens throughout the building. And then uh, it was shortly, I believe, I want to say maybe the first week or so, first or second week in July, I was on light duty at the time after I'd returned from work from surgery, which was in mid-June. And I noticed a group of people, like 30 people or so, going into this meeting room, and I didn't know what was going on. And I, I asked my supervisor, and she said, oh, yeah, she said it's a mandatory meeting. She said she used the word mandatory. Mm-hmm. Mandatory meeting where everybody has to go to. Mm-hmm. And you're scheduled for tomorrow's meeting at, I think it was like 11 o'clock in the morning. The meeting lasted about an hour, and there were two people from Amazon, I believe one from Kansas City and one from North Carolina, who had come in. And it was obvious to everybody in the room that it was basically an anti-union push. Right. They were talking all about the things that could happen if, you know, if you join the union or if the union comes in. There were some very pointed questions asking, being asked, and um, they weren't giving satisfactory answers at all. And I really became, uh, I want to say use the word disgusted, but I was really turned off by how aggressive they were with this push. Right. And and so these are captive audience meetings that they were using a lot during the Staten Island and Bessemer, Alabama campaigns that your manager said was mandatory. But since between the Staten Island and Alabama campaigns and this current Albany campaign, Seth, didn't the NLRB actually say that they cannot make captive audience meetings mandatory thanks to you? <laughs> yeah, they um basically Yeah, they basically have a rule that says now that um you're not required to go to captive audience meetings and if you um before you're um provided notice about these captive audience meetings, the employer has to say that you're not required to go and if you don't go, you're not going to be retaliated against. Neither which they did in this case. And we actually filed, I did file a board charge. Um, in addition to the discharge against Michael, one on the uh, captive audience meeting requirement. Right. Um, just wanted to point that out there. Uh, so Michael, you know, you have, uh, since your firing started supporting the union much more actively. Um, yeah, now, as you said, you, you have a aggressive prostate cancer, um, which must be extremely tiring. So why are you spending your time uh, on a union campaign now, in addition to everything else and the difficult 
Well, I had an oncologist, an appointment with my oncologist last Wednesday, the day before I got fired. Right. And um, he told me when he first began working with me that, you know, because of the aggressiveness of my cancer, that the best case scenario for me was probably five or six good years, maybe. And now we're a year and a half into that. So, you know, we might be talking four and a half to five years. And he repeated that stance with me on Wednesday, and then he also ordered a kidney scan or kidney ultrasound. And, I, you know, I've been accepting of the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm, my lifespan has been shortened. You know, I'm, I may have four or five years left. So my position now is, you know, I'm really not working or helping the union really for my benefit, um, maybe to some degree for my benefit, but hopefully to help others and open the eyes of other people there at Amazon and hopefully even around the country uh, to see that companies like Amazon, you know, run people into the ground, take advantage of them. And they're just, and then they discard them like yesterday's newspaper. And right. I just think it's totally unfair. It's, it's just wrong. Well, we are very moved. I am very moved by that, Michael, you know, um, and, and, and I wish you and everybody all the best in, in all your efforts. Um, and, and we'll continue to be in conversation with you and everybody in Albany. Um, and now I have one last question for Seth. Uh, Seth, tell us a little bit about uh, all of the legal students that you've been bringing under your win, wing um, to help do all of these charges you're filing against Amazon and Guttmacher and all the other workers you're representing. So talk a little bit about that. Um, and the reason I bring it up is because yesterday at the rally, there was amazing solidarity felt. And I was speaking with some of the ALU members who said that that was, if not their biggest, one of their biggest rallies. So it's great to see that momentum is continuing to build. And as everyone brought up, this has been a huge year for labor. Um, you know, there's been like a, a, a ton of organizing. So tell us about the young people who've been helping you. Yes, I, I probably have between 70 and 80 law students right now all over the country that are volunteering to help uh, workers like Michael. Actually, one of the workers interviewed Michael. I mean, the law students interviewed Michael. And they have come forth to show that they really care about this issue, that they care about workers' rights and that they're going to volunteer to do this. And it is heartening to me because I think the best way to combat Amazon's human rights violations and selfishness and greed and immor um, their immoral stance is to bring in people with good hearts that are willing to stand up for workers. And that's what's happening here. It's just amazing. Right, and we're going to continue to follow that story as well, because that is great. People coming together with solidarity to share their time. And, you know, I'll say uh, one more thing about the rally yesterday. Uh, also heard from organizers that since Thursday's announcement that Amazon's rejections are not merited, there have been a lot more workers on the floor at the Amazon warehouse wearing their ALU shirts. So that's good news. Seth Goldstein and Michael Verastro of the Amazon Labor Union, thank you so much for joining us. And thank all you, of our Amber. listeners can find, follow the Amazon Labor Union on Twitter and Instagram at Amazon Labor Union. And looking forward to the October 13th through 15th election in Albany. 
we are going to go to a short musical break and we will be back. Stumble to the kitchen for myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping out on the streets. The traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five. Ship will come in and the tide's gonna turn. 